it's hard to ignore the fact that we as humans are out of balance and disconnected from nature right now in some really scary ways. And yet doing nothing isn't really an option. So I was super excited to talk with Lynn Trotta, who has a close connection with nature, about how we can use that relationship to guide us back to a place where we can heal. You're listening to Courageous Wordsmith, episode 53. This podcast presents conversation with and for real-life creatives on how we find and keep walking our unique paths. I'm your host, Amy Hallberg. Welcome to my world. Today, I'm talking with Lynn Trotta about her connection to nature and how you can make a connection to nature. So today I'm talking with Lynn Trotta, and Lynn, I would just love for you to share with my listeners what it is that you do. Um, well, first, hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Um, so what do I do? I am a nature-based coach and mentor, and I help people who are sensitive and empathic and are struggling with the overwhelm of our current modern distraction culture. And I help them move them into a place of peace and belonging by developing a rooted and really grounded relationship with nature. Now that nature part is really important because there are a lot of coaches who help people to find peace. But for you, that's a very central part of your business. Yes, it is. So how did you get into that? Well, for me, it was, um, honestly, it was, it felt at one point, like it was a matter of life and death. I was the nature kid. I was always outside and, and doing stuff. And then when adolescence hit and like Nintendo became the fad, um, my relationship became really strained with the natural world. And it also just happened to coincide with the fact that I didn't have any adults that knew more or were more interested in nature than me. So I didn't have that mentor. And then there was just that big disconnect. And over the years, I had really felt that. And I didn't always have a language for it. And I couldn't really pinpoint and say, oh, I am this way because of this. But I uh, struggled with mental health issues and an eating disorder. And then after you know, like all of these things that had happened in my early adulthood, uh, and it came time for college, um, science made sense. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it was really me saying, like, nature and science is really what what my heart feels connected to. So after a much longer journey from that point forward, I was finally reconnected with the earth in like a meaningful, familial, like, she's my bestie type way many years later when I was doing this workshop and one of the things that they had us do was go sit under a tree for 20 minutes. And I remember feeling for the first time since childhood, like life was okay, that everything was good and exciting and beautiful. And I just remember laying there sobbing because I had forgotten how delicious life could feel within myself and in the natural world. So it was from that point on where I've been doing it for myself and helping others do the same because I 
because I know, <laughs> I know the goodness. <laughs> well, and I think that's so important that society does not point us in the direction of nature, right? Society distracts us from nature at all costs. I mean, even Nintendo, there's, you know, some digital trees on there, I assume, but, <laughs> but we're not out there in nature. And so society really does not encourage us, is not set up for us to be in what you described as relation to nature. I mean, I find that fascinating that you say we don't even have language for that. I'm assuming you do now have language for that. I do. Uh, and it's consistently evolving and expanding. And it's a really fascinating thing to try to teach people a language that I am only still after 20 something years, still learning to decode and explain to people why speaking this language is so important. One of the things that you and I were talking about before we got on this recording is that just before we, um, just before, like a couple days ago, before we met to talk, the climate report was released. And we're really in trouble here. And so suddenly it's this big crisis that's been coming on, but it's on everybody's radar about this planet that we're on. And we are so disconnected from this planet and at the same time from our own nature, our own, our own being that is part of this earth. And so right now is, is really um, a pivotal time in, in the work that you're doing, I would think. Yes, it is. And for, for multiple reasons, certainly the first one being that when we as a people move forward with this desire, hopefully there's a desire to care for and protect and to heal the planet, we want to make sure people are doing it in a way that is not just more of the same old, same old. So we don't want people fixing the problem, quote unquote, with this. Um, we're just going to slap new technology on it and not actually change anything that is within ourselves. The changes must come from a foundation of love and oneness and a desire for connection and true reciprocity, right? So we want people to be like open arms moving towards these solutions to support our planet rather than just, I'm not going to actually change anything about my existence. I just want to, you know, know that my energy is coming from solar rather than fossil fuels. Um, so that's a really big one too. And, and also the, the people who feel most deeply every single wildfire story, every single flood story, every time we find out that another species goes extinct, it's those dear, beautiful, sensitive souls who are in a way processing and holding all of the emotion for the rest of our culture that just doesn't have the capacity to feel those things. And they need a place to put that. So you spend a lot of time in forums with people who are nature connected and, and really concerned about eco justice and things like that, that there is a sense of, on the one hand, a paralysis 
among some of these people who just need to feel it. And on the other hand, there's a sense of people who just want to move on. And, and I wonder if you could talk to what's going on, what you're seeing emotionally amongst people in those forums, which I think is a microcosm of the bigger world we're living in. It definitely is. And it's interesting, you had, you had said the word nature-connected forums. And the first thought that popped in my head was, it's more like nature aware. Yeah, it's nature adjacent. <laughs> right, because if you were nature connected, it would be out in the woods. <laughs> right, or, or at least aware of our relationship with the earth. And, and it's not to say that those people in those like eco-friendly or sustainability Facebook groups are not connected. Um, I certainly would never judge somebody else's relationship, but there is a, a palpable difference in how they're interacting with one another that make me wonder <laughs> what what their relationship is, right? How deeply mm -hmm. they are rooted in the earth and the land. And I say that because every message I've ever gotten from the earth is of peace and love and kindness and nourishment. And, or I should say, when I'm in groups of people who also get those messages and have devoted their lives to living in accordance with the messages from creation, right? The, the love, the peace, the interconnectedness, it never feels like that. It never feels flippant. It never feels, uh, well, whatever, people are just going to burn themselves out anyway. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's so much more of a love-based relationship with those people that are truly deep, deeply connected. The people who I'm seeing who are deeply disturbed and unsettled and suffering by every new report that comes out there, it is these really lovely empathic souls who are holding grief for the beings, non-human and human beings who are suffering now because of the current climate situation, because yes, things have changed already since, you know, pretty drastically since the 70s and 80s. And the predictions are very clear that big changes are happening um, sooner rather than later. Um, and that's not to say that we can't mitigate or stop the really the biggest of things from happening. But they're very clear that even if we do everything we can right now, there's still going to be shifts happening going forward. Right. So you're not talking about go out and feel the love of nature and that's it. You're talking about go out and feel the love of nature and also from that place move into actions that are going to counteract or, or work with ba balance. You talk about relationship and it feels to me like this is, you know, you, you referred to nature as your bestie. Um, and feels like, you know, for you, you know what it looks like, you know what it feels like to be in relation with nature. And you have language, you speak about how nature gives you messages. So maybe you could just share what this looks like for you. How do you receive nature messages? How do you, what does it look like when you're in relation with nature? Yeah, uh, great question. And I want to just first premise that just like every marriage is different and every and every relationship is different i know that everybody's relationship with the earth and and all of her beings are going to be different and i would never say 
no, just because you go hiking every Saturday doesn't mean you don't have any relationship with the earth. I would never say that um, because we, we are our own judges, right? So always, as always, do what's right for you. Start what feels good and comfortable and go from that place. So my relationship with the earth is it feels very complex, right? I did say that she's like my best friend. She's, she's also my church. Uh, she's my therapist. Um, she's my playmate. And I have regular connection practices. So every single day I am outside and I am using a variety of practices in order to maintain that relationship, to build that thread of connection stronger and stronger each day. And that looks like for me, I have a gratitude. Sometimes I say ritual, sometimes I say prayer, it feels interchangeable for me. But that happens every single morning in a specific place in my garden. And, um, and every day I am walking outside within my garden. And I don't mean just like walking for exercise. I mean, like walking up to my lemon balm plants and saying, oh, good morning, you look very lovely today. How are you feeling today? Um, and sometimes I get answers and sometimes I don't, you know, or sometimes I get responses. But more than anything, it's just slowing my body down, really engaging with all of my senses and filling my heart with appreciation with life around me. Because it's when I'm in that place, I in the deepest sense of the word, I belong. I belong to my life. I belong to the earth. The earth belongs to me. Um, we are in a, a codependent, <laughs> a reciprocal relationship where I feel wanted just as much as I know that she feels wanted from me. And it really does need to be consistent and especially right outside of our door, like the closest place possible. Sometimes I say that it's we don't need wilderness, we need wildness. Mm. Uh, we don't need to go climb Everest in order to feel this sense of being in the wilderness. But as long as we are touching that wildness within ourselves, it could just be, you know, standing on your porch and watching a rabbit wash her face or watching a, a butterfly lay her eggs on a leaf. When we create space for ourselves to be present and to be still. It's a really beautiful way to have that connection be meaningful and, and really yummy and deep. Now, as I'm listening to this, on the one hand, I'm listening and it sounds beautiful. And on the other hand, I can, I can see some women saying that this feels very self-indulgent. Hmm. And I know that you have thoughts about this. Oh, I got so many thoughts, Amy. I got so many thoughts about this. Um, um, can, I, can I curse on your podcast? I don't know what. You can totally curse. Yes. Oh, okay. For some reason, and I say that like I really don't know the reason, but I know very well what the reason is. Women have been taught above all else, we take care of other people first. And not only is that toxic bullshit, um, it's, it's poison to us and it's poison to the earth, right? When we listen to things like that, that we should be either last on the list or not even on the list, or, uh, you can rest when you finish everything or definitely my all time favorite. I hope that is dripping with sarcasm right there is my, my worth is tied to my actions. 
right? So that somehow you are able to earn with all of these accomplishments, the ability to rest and take care of yourself. When all our tending to our humanness must happen first. It's not like we have to wait to put our mask on first before we put somebody else's mask on. This goes so far in front of that where we are our, the fullest expression of our humanity, of love, of our ability to give, of our tenderness when we are filled up with that first. And when we can even spend a couple of moments and I always say that the moments in nature can stretch and feel elastic, like they're a full lifetime, where when we get just a couple of moments to, to walk past a flower and to smell it <laughs> or to notice who's pollinating it or to pause and touch the bark of a tree, those add up big time. Well, you know, you talked about the word that comes to mind as you're talking is appropriation, which is to say that I feel that patriarchy, society, whatever you want to call it, has a lot invested in appropriating our gifts and our powers. And that keeps us small. And when we connect to our nature, so for example, I remember when I had my own sort of break with patriarchy a few years ago and found my way into this world where people were tending to me and they kept saying, no, what do you want? What, what do you want? What do you want? Like, I have no idea what I want. You know, well, just, just listen to nature. I have no idea what nature is telling me because I, it's, it goes back to the language, right? But like, I don't know how to listen to my body. I don't know how to listen to the trees. And it's not really true, right? It's, it's, it's all this thinking that's put onto us by society. And we are, we are given that language. And so really what you're describing is, is a revolutionary act. Yeah, it is. Certainly it is to say, yes, I matter. Yes, I'm a sacred human being. Yes, I am worthy, not because I do things, but simply I am worthy. I am enough. And it's also revolutionary to, to kick off the yoke of patriarchy, right? It's still the dominant theme within our culture and it benefits culture, just like you said, to have, mm -hmm. to have women be quiet and, and to not speak up for ourselves because it's a lot easier on the men. They can dominate us a lot easier when we keep our mouth shut. And it's also a core theme of consumerism, which is the foundation of our culture, of you are allowed to be happy, or I should say, you can be happy if you buy this thing or you do this thing. But truly, the only way you're going to be happy is if you spend money on this thing, if you're constantly growing, if you have a vacation place, if you have the new iPhone. And that's not to say those things aren't useful in our existence. But when we put our, our ability to experience joy and contentment and life satisfaction on external things, we're just wandering around like starving ghosts in the wilderness, constantly trying to feed ourselves. If we are able to find peace and life fulfillment and purpose and like excitement and like childlike joy, just by playing in nature or spending 20 minutes a day or 40 minutes or however long in nature, then consumerism is not going to be happy with that at all. And I think if you look at politicians whose minds seem to be in the right place, 
but their hearts, there's a disconnect and they behave badly and it comes out sideways, we can either align with our nature or it's going to come out sideways and it's going to cause harm. So it really is an altruistic act to connect with nature and and the gifts that nature has given you. It really is a selfless act to center into who we really are and who nature intends us to be when you think of it that way. It is very much so for a lot of reasons. I mean, certainly when we are more consistently in a place of peace, that energy ripples out from us and we affect energetically other beings, other people, and the earth and all that is all that is on her, we create that peace for others as well. And when we are doing that consistently, also we fall madly in love with the earth, we fall madly in love with ourselves, and then our our actions towards supporting the planet, towards supporting a healthier culture, all of that is we're running toward it with excitement and hope and faith and not running away from the doom and gloom, both of our own lives as well as the planet and culture itself. Because the one thing I know is doom and gloom does not help anything. <laughs> no, right? It's it's paralyzing, right? Look at all the horrible things and then you just drag yourself down into a spiral. So when you're looking at people who might be listening to this podcast now and saying, this is all really great, go love nature, do you have any simple steps that people can take? Because let, let me back up. It feels like it took a long time for us to become disconnected from nature. And so it's not like, okay, tomorrow I'm just going to be in love with nature. The end. It feels like you talk about this as a relationship. You've talked about this as your connection to spirit, your church, your therapist. It's a relationship built over time. So if somebody wanted to take steps towards that. What are some ways that you could suggest just to start, just to begin? The first and most important thing I would say is to go outside, even just go once and see how it feels. Go outside and walk around in your garden or yard or if you are in a park and offer appreciation for one thing. And I don't mean like give thanks for the earth or give thanks for all the birds. I mean, choose one individual tree, one individual bird, and say why you are appreciative of them. And maybe it's, it's drizzling and the tree is keeping the rain off of you or you're standing next to the tree and you are exchanging breath with that tree. Whatever it is, be specific because gratitude is one of the strongest binders that we can have. And unlike some of the more coachy avenues of gratitude, which all gratitude is great, but I've heard some people saying that they're just like, they're so over the whole gratitude practice thing. Um, and I think it's in part because the, the current cultural gratitude practice that goes through is offering, like making sure that you're thankful for what you have. And an eco-centric, not egocentric, but eco-centric way of offering gratitude is saying that you're thankful for something, even if you're not necessarily benefiting directly from it. So you could be thankful for the tree because it makes you feel happy, but you could also be thankful for the tree because mm. you see birds nesting in it and you think it's really nice 
that that tree can offer a home to those other beings that share your space. So taking yourself out of the equation, again, you can include yourself also, mm-hmm. but at least for some of it, just remember that we're these, the land is not here for us to necessarily use as a commodity or an item. She's there in relationship with us. So just offer gratitude outside of yourself. That point, can I, can I just say that point as you're talking, what, what comes to mind is that there's a lot of scripted how you do this. I mean, you know, it's, I, I think of the church that I was raised in and here are the things that you say, right? Here are the proper things to say or whatever. What I'm hearing you say is go out there and just say what comes up and don't be attached to what comes up. Don't do what should be or what is the appropriate, what is the appropriate um, formula whatever comes up in the moment is perfect is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, sometimes people laugh because I say when, as soon as I walk outside my door in the morning, I, I open the door and I stand facing East and I go, Oh, good morning, creator. You look lovely today. <laughs> and it's, I, and I, it's, it's a force of habit, but it's, I truly mean it of like, Oh, you're raining today. Oh, it's sunny today. Oh, it's, but it's, it's from my heart. It's truly, it's a conversation starter from my heart with the creator. <laughs> um, but yes, honestly. And nobody's watching you do it, I'm assuming. No. I mean, <laughs> if my daughter's there, she watches me and she rolls her eyes. But, um, but yeah, nobody ever sees me do it. And then the next thing would be to find what you are curious about or excited about in nature and just start playing around with it. So I call it the gateway drug. For me, it was birding. Um, I got really excited about birding. And then because of birding, I needed to learn about the trees because certain birds nest in certain trees or eat certain things from trees. And then from there, I had to learn about plants because they're using plants in their nesting materials. So everything sort of flowed forth from there. So if you are a gardener, spend a little bit more time in your garden and just sit with the tomato plants and ask them how they're doing that day or have a conversation with, you know, with the trees that are out there. Or if you're excited about being outside for exercise, can you intermittently go kind of slowly and just drink in the shapes of the clouds and the textures of the trees while you are doing that exercise? So pausing, finding what you're interested in and just doing that more and more and more, even if you're just increasing your outdoor minutes by 10 minutes every week. What I what I hear you saying is, this is not a prescribed curriculum. Now I will go and learn about nature. It's going out and paying attention and being responsive. And that when you are responsive, you'll just know what to do. And you'll do the next thing. And it will lead you on a really wonderful path. Yeah, that's definitely the best and most attainable starting point. I mean, I teach multiple, multiple week classes where we have very um, prescribed lessons and exercises and techniques that I am teaching and then people are practicing. But when people are playing on their own, and I truly mean that, that it has to be a source of play and curiosity and interest, that I want people to start where they are and start what sparks curiosity for them. Um, and of course, I'm here if they want the big, the big deep dive <laughs> mm-hmm. into, into the nature practices for sure. 
I'm drawn back to something you said at the beginning of our conversation, which is which is about the language of it. When I first started becoming a writer, and a lot of times what I do is I actually go off for rides and I just see what's all around me and what wants to put itself in my path. That's actually, it's it's very similar to what you're describing, right? But I didn't know that that was a thing you could do, right? So I think some of what it is that you're doing for people is you're you're teaching them that this language exists. You're giving them markers for them to start to see, to orient themselves in the landscape so that they can follow their own, their own nature. It's kind of like you're giving people some tools so that they can start to feel that for themselves. That is a really important piece. There's Certainly the language when you are in the door, right? When we're talking about things like, like you said, you, you go on a drive to see what comes up in your path. It's a type of wandering. It's a type of having no destination, but sitting or walking or driving in a place of curiosity to see where the world wants to pull you. And we do that when we're, I I have people go out and do exercises like that in their garden or in um, really big parks if they're going on a big journey. And so that is definitely a part of the language too. Um, And yeah, people, when people don't know that this low level of anxiety that's been bubbling up in them for years sometimes, is in part because of the climate crisis, then they can't actually work towards supporting that or healing that. And, and that, unfortunately, is a really big thing. People, they might not be able to put their finger on, oh, I'm feeling grief because of another wildfire, or I'm feeling anxious because of this, because our minds get so overwhelmed because the, the capacity and the harm and all of that is so big that we sort of shove it in a tight little box and we duct tape it a lot and then we shove it in the back of our minds and then we're not processing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not necessarily thinking, oh, I need to spend more time in nature so that I can process my feelings about what's happening with the current climate situation. So that we can start to name what it is that we want to move towards. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So people will say, I feel overwhelmed or I feel anxious, or, but they don't know why most certainly don't see or point to a lack of nature connection as the thing, right? It's what I said before. It's the, I'm trying to explain people that they need this vitamin that they didn't even know existed, which is the vitamin N. (laughs) Um, Right. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Well, this has been really wonderful to talk to you. And I hope you'll come back again another time because this has been great. Thanks so much. I would love that. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Courageous Wordsmith. Today's episode featured Lynn Trotta. You can read about her and check out her links in the show notes. Backstage at Courageous Wordsmith, my editor is the talented Will Quee, and my social media manager is the fabulous Maddie Kelly. If you enjoy this podcast, you too can help it thrive and grow. Please subscribe right on this page. Share with friends you think would like it. And if you're feeling called to write, Sign up for True Lines, my letter for real-life creative writers, so that you can stay current on podcast episodes, along with all our offers to support you along your narrative journey. You'll find that link in the show notes, or read more at CourageousWordsmith.com. I'm Amy Hallberg, and until we meet again, travel safely.